Coming up next on The Jeff Crilly Show, you're going to meet one of the top appellate lawyers in the state of Texas. His journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is The Jeff Crilly Show. Well, if you watch this show for any length of time, you know I love to feature people who are playing at the top of their game. And I don't want to make an unfair comparison, but this is the, the LeBron James of appellate law in the state of Texas. I'm, I'm not too far off. I mean, okay, first of all, let's, let's do some math. This is Byron Henry. He's a partner at the appellate law section of Sheaf and Stone. Good friend. We've worked together for many, many years, and I have so much respect for, for him. Um, appellate law, people hear about it all the time, but it's really less than one. 1% of all attorneys? That's right, Jeff. It's um, First, thanks for having me here today. It's wonderful to see you again. Uh, yeah, appellate law is a very specialized field. It's basically the people that like to sit in rooms and read and write and convince people on paper in briefs uh, whether or not a trial went right or went wrong. So you hear about whether someone's going to appeal a case. Well, the appellate lawyers are the ones that are waiting in the wings to clean up the messes after trials that are so popular and you get to see on the television all, all the time. Okay, so I want to start at the very beginning. How long have you wanted to be a lawyer? Seven or eight years old, probably. Really? <laughs> Back that far, yes. So the other kids are playing cops and robbers? You're figuring out how to get the robber out of jail. <laughs> that's right. That's right. When you're a little kid, you think, you know, the only area of law is criminal defense, and you're always defending the innocent person, trying to find the guilty person. So when I was little, that's what I thought I was going to do. Okay. So you go to law school. Where'd you go? Uh, Texas Wesleyan, now Texas A&M. So okay. Aggie by adoption. Awesome. And uh, your first uh, paying gig out of college? A small boutique law firm in Plano, where I learned the craft and learned to represent clients large and small. Lots of trial work. Most appellate lawyers have, have paid their dues as trial lawyers. They learn how trials work, and they basically believe that they uh, graduate from trial work because we sure. kind of see our calling as, as something above. Obviously, we talk about you know going back to the trial courts is something we like to avoid. But that's how we all got our start is learning how cases get tried and then eventually get to where we get to kind of grade the homework of the judges and the jurors and the other lawyers in the cases. And to be good at your craft, you're spending... Hours and hours and hours just combing over uh, transcripts, trying to see, oh, at this point, this side should have objected or something like that, um, right? That, that's right. And, and one of the kind of misperceptions of appellate law is that you have to wait until you win or lose before you call an appellate lawyer. We actually prefer to be called in for legal strategy and preserving error and other things you have to do as an appellate lawyer uh, to have a good appeal. We like to be called in as early as possible, even if it's just to kind of ride shotgun and oversee the process. But yes, I get a lot of cases where I had nothing to do with the trial. And the first thing right. I see 
is a large stack of documents and it's basically volumes of trial transcript and I just read. So when you say right shotgun, sometimes you're sitting there right with the attorney who's uh, arguing the case. And, and especially uh, with high value clients or high value cases, I will be hired to actually sit in the trial court as second or third chair at the trial and advise on issues that may come up on appeal and just help with strategy and whatnot if, if calls on. I can certainly do that from the office right. in some cases, but I do that often at trial as well. Uh, we're gonna pull up uh, your bio on your website. And as we look at this, you've really received almost every honor there is to receive. Uh, super lawyers, 15 years. I mean, just uh, you're, you're in the, you know, the top 1% of the 1% of appellate lawyers in the state of Texas. Uh, when you come into the courtroom, does the other side take notice? I hope so, because what it tells the other side is that the your client has both the means and the uh, basically the uh, basically the means and the desire to see this thing through. They're serious about their case and they're not just going to let it go. So hopefully judges and the other side know that we're taking it seriously, that that, that they can afford it, and we can also see this all the way through the appellate process to the end. And that makes the other side sometimes stop and think, hey, there might have been a problem at trial, and do I really want to invest another two years and lots and lots of money fighting this when we can come to the table and resolve this? Okay, so when you get a case that you haven't ridden shotgun on, are there some normal places where you go to look? Like if, if I'm going to find an error, it's probably going to be here, here, or here. Yeah, there's a couple classic places where appellate lawyers would have been needed, but if you're not there, you look. And one of those is exclusion of evidence. Obviously, what the judge lets in and out is key. And while it's not always a big factor on appeal, if it's key evidence, expert testimony that wasn't allowed, that's the first place you look, is did both sides get to do everything they wanted to do? The judge lets everything in, that's one of my factors like, well, we're not gonna have an evidentiary issue because the judge let both sides put on everything they wanted to, to the judge or the jury. Um, next is, of course, the jury charge, which for people that don't practice appellate law probably don't care much about. But it's basically the form that the jury fills out and answers the questions to tell uh, the world and the judge who's liable in the case and for how much. And that jury charge has specific rules, volumes and volumes and volumes of rules and case law dictating how it should read, what it should say, and how it should be presented. And it is uh, a minefield for a lawyer that's not an expert in that. And that's wow. the second place I'll go to look to see how a case was decided. And uh, have you actually argued cases all the way up to the Supreme Court? I have argued cases all the way up to the Supreme Court of Texas, yes. Yes, yeah. of dozens and dozens of appeals, a few cases in the Texas Supreme Court, briefed dozens of cases in appellate courts. I've actually been uh, an amicus and a, uh, a litigant in the United States Supreme Court. At that time in my career, we hired a specialist to, uh, who's now a federal judge wow. <laughs> to argue the case in the Supreme Court. I got to sit on the third row and watch the argument of one of my cases in the Supreme yeah. Court. It was a wonderful experience and just uh, reinforced choosing appellate law as a profession. Tell me how important uh, a good reputation is among judges, because you, you likely see the same judges over and over again. It's paramount. You cannot risk making arguments or taking positions that are a stretch, or uh, if I can't read an argument or make an argument that I if I, if I don't think it has merit or I think it's laughable, then all you're doing for any client is, is, is hurting their case overall. Right. So my rule, is I have to see these judges and justices. And if when I come into court, if they have to look up what I'm saying, then I've failed 
as a lawyer. If they can take what I'm saying, whether it's about the law or something in the record or, or anything in oral argument or in a brief, if they can take that at face value and know it's solid, then you're doing your client a great service. And if you're that kind of lawyer, you are well on your way to giving them their best chance to succeed. If you're not, then uh, it's, it's a shame because the, a lot of lawyers will mortgage their reputation for one case or one client. Mm. And it's a big mistake. I see it often. And I'm like, why would you make that argument? Nobody believes it. And the judges are just shaking their head about it. So I try to avoid that and have done for most of my career. So wow. I hope I don't start behind the eight ball when I start a case. Congratulations. You're also very popular with the media. We're going to just roll a little clip. And as, as we watch this, um, you like doing the media stuff, don't you, Byron? E just educating the viewer on what's really going on. Well, since I live in it and know it, if someone's actually interested and wants to ask me a question about it, I'm happy to answer it and fill them in. So that that's really the good faith way of just telling the public what's going on, giving them the straight dope, trying not to spin or twist or, or right. shade things, but just telling them what's up and let them kind of know, make their own decisions about what they think about it without trying to persuade them like I do in my job, which my whole job is to persuade. So sure. the media is kind of fun because I can just kind of tell people the way it is without having to convince you of something. Well, one of the things I, I love about you, Byron, is you talk like a normal person. You know all this legalese, but when you're talking on the media, you're never talking down to me. You're never talking over my head. It, it, it takes a, a, a real talent to be able to do the media. Well, one of the things you learn about appellate law is that because it could be so technical and the jargon and all the standards and the case law is that they tell you to have a non-lawyer, whether it's your wife or someone, read your brief. And if the non-lawyer can't tell what the case is about and why you should win in about the first 10 minutes, you need to start writing it again. Sure. So the same goes with oral argument. We try to keep it uh, in plain plain. English and tell the story correct on the law, but in a way that anyone could read uh, the brief or even an opinion if the Court of Appeals writes one and understand what just happened. So, so you learn that early, and if you don't follow that rule, uh, you get a lot of confused people, clients and judges. Sure. And I want to give you, give you a chance to give a shout out to everybody at Sheaf and Stone because uh, this is a very large firm now. You have offices all over the place. Yes, we have offices in Dallas, which is our hub, and then we have an office in Frisco with almost 30 lawyers where I work. Uh, and then we have an office in Marshall where there's a federal courthouse. Michael Smith uh, is a partner there and he edits the O'Connor's rule book for federal courts and he's our partner there. And then we have an office in Sherman wow. uh, right across from the federal courthouse there. So we've got four offices now. And so between John Sheep doing construction work in Frisco, basically they're building a hundred buildings every day in Frisco. Right, so I have right. a construction lawyer there is great. And one of my other colleagues, Mark Hill, who's another business lawyer, just got elected to Frisco ISD Board of Trustees, place five. So we've got uh, thought leaders, we've got uh, uh, you know, yeah. education leaders at the firm. So we're, we're really excited about the future. And it's a really well-respected firm uh, you know, across the country. And when you say Sheaf and Stone, people, people know you, what you stand for. Why is that important to work for uh, a firm with integrity? Well, I mean, that's your brand, so to speak. I mean, you have your name, and obviously, but you know, everything you write, everything, every signature block, every letter has the Sheaf and Stone uh, uh, logo, and and you sign off as a partner of Sheaf and Stone. So you want to make sure that all of the lawyers follow the same ethos that that that, that you believe in, and and at Sheaf and Stone, they do. Whether it's Dallas, Frisco, one of our keys is to make sure we hire people that believe, kind of not believe identically, but have the same theory about the profession of law that 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 the rest of us do. And it has worked out very well for the firm. Those that flourish are with us and we're growing leaps and bounds. Those that don't share it exactly, if they joined us, they usually don't stay around very long. So it, it, it's kind of a self-fulfilling thing, but we're very blessed to have the lawyers we have and the reputation we have. 
Outstanding. You've been an amazing guest. We're going to end with the website, which is solidcouncil.com. The great Byron Henry. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jeff. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.